This is the Freedom Media Network. And first, I want to let you know that this episode is brought to you by Cultivate Elevate. A couple weeks ago, we featured Matt, the founder of Cultivate Elevate, on this podcast, and we talked about all the ways in which their organic, natural products can help you and how I, you know, those products have become a staple of my day. Each and every day, I take their six mix mushroom powder with my coffee. I take their ginkgo biloba in the afternoon. I take their shilajit in the morning, shilajat, whatever you want to call it. It helps my mood. It helps my gut health. It helps my joints, especially when I go hiking here at altitude. It also helps protect me from EMF radiation. And if you think that's tinfoil hat time, go back and listen to that episode. And guess what? In the show notes or wherever you're watching this, there's a link. You can click that link. You go to shop at Cultivate Elevate. Guess what? You get 10% off their products. 10% off. Go click the link. Go to kurtmercadante.life. There's a number of ways you can find the link. Click it. Go shop. 10% off. You're welcome for offering you that deal. And hello, freedom lovers. My name is Kurt Mercadante. This is the Freedom Media Network podcast. I'm very grateful you are here. If you are a first-time listener or viewer, welcome. If you are a return visitor, viewer, whatever, listener, welcome back. We're happy to have you here, and you're joining us on a wonderful day. Now, I say that for every guest, but today I really mean it. Sometimes I'm lying in the past. No, I, I just kid. Anyways, today we have a wonderful guest. His name is Patrick Huey. He's the owner of Victory Independent Planning, as well as the author of History Lessons for the Modern Investor and the Seven Pillars of Financial Wisdom. Before we started recording, I was also telling Patrick that I just introduced my kids to Top Gun. We can talk about that because Patrick used to have a little habit of landing airplanes on aircraft carriers. So maybe we could talk about that a little bit today. Uh, he's a certified financial planner professional, chartered advisor in philanthropy, and an accredited tax preparer. My, uh, my apologies for that. My condolences for having to deal with the tax system. Patrick earned his bachelor's degree in history from the University of Pittsburgh and a master of business administration from the Arizona State University. Lieutenant Huey served as a Naval Flight Officer from 1996 to 2005, earning the Strike Fighter Air Medal during combat operations and two Navy Achievement medals. He enjoys travel, golf, tennis, and spending time with his wife, Dixie, and their son, Fletcher. Patrick, thank you so much for joining us today. Kurt Mercandante, I just want to say, uh, first time, long time. Uh, first time guest, long time follower. Uh, and I could not be any happier to, to be hanging out with you today. Yeah. And, and we've shared a, a bottle or two of Merlot, I believe, in yes. the past. I believe it was Merlot at the, at the fine uh, Orlando's finest uh, Longhorn <laughs> Steakhouse, I think it was. Yeah, is that, is that a Longhorn. plug? Do we, are, are you going to get money from them for this? Yeah, I should. I should, yeah. I should get an affiliate. Um, although my, our latest, there's none of those around here, is uh, Texas Roadhouse. Yeah. That's where yeah. we're taking the kids on the way back from spring training a few times. So I mean, God bless America, right? Uh, if, there's, uh, if you need a steak... Uh, there's usually one pretty close by no matter where you are. So, you know, yay, yay us. And amazing, amazingly, I, the, the steaks are probably slowly killing me with metal toxicity, but some of those cheap steaks are better tasting than some expensive steak restaurants you go to. <laughs> yeah, definitely more bang for your buck. Yes, yes. That's, that's the first financial tip today. Eat cheap steak. 
I was going to say, we could talk about bang for your buck. So in under 30 seconds, Patrick, yeah. can you tell us every history lesson that the modern financial investor can learn from today? Go. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I, I could probably do it. Um, I, I know you're joking, but it, yes. if I had to, to distill all the knowledge in 200 and some odd pages uh, of a book into 30 seconds, uh, it would just be learn how stupid your brain really is. And, uh, and be willing to compensate for it. There, there it is. Done. Well, I'm going to throw some stories out. And I, I, if you have to go back to the book, because sometimes people ask me about things I wrote in my book. I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, wait, I got to go back. I don't remember. That was a couple years ago. But I have to start with this story. And uh, you've blogged about it. Mm -hmm. And uh, I have to start out with it because it is an event that occurred on April 29th, which is my birthday. We're in the month okay. of April as we record this, so I have to start off with this. April 29th, 1986, I was 11 years old. We're going to go to Fenway Park. Yeah. Phil Bradley is up to the plate. Roger Clements is about to, if he strikes him out, right, he's going to break the record for strikeouts. Mm -hmm. um, can you tell us, can you tell our viewers, our listeners, a, and by the way, Phil Bradley from Macomb, Illinois, so okay. not far from where I grew up, Okay. And he stands up and he stands up on the plate. What does this date in history? Roger Clemens, who, by the way, is is people are petitioning, right, for him to get into the Hall of Fame. Breaking yeah. the, on April 29th, he broke out the strikeout record. What can financial what, or what can modern investors or and which basically almost applies to everyone today learn from this date in history? Um, at the risk of getting myself in trouble, uh, I think it is uh, imperative that uh, investors learn how to interpret data. Mm -hmm. um, I think that if the last two and a half years have shown us much, it's that people are very bad uh, at interpreting data. And, uh, and that is not a political statement in any way, shape or form. It's just a fact. Um, uh, in that particular story, uh, you know, I used it to kind of bring up the issues that e economists have when they model economic data. Okay, so when, when you're looking at gross domestic product or GDP, uh, which is basically how we measure economic expansion in this country, um, the way they do it is they, they actually have three revisions to that data because they keep bringing in more data over time. And my point was, you know, if we did that in baseball, if we stopped the game after the third inning, and extrapolated the rest of it, uh, Roger Clemens wouldn't have broken the strikeout record that day. I think he would have had something like 16, uh, which is still pretty good. Uh, and by the way, I think they, I think those guys should be in the Hall of Fame, but we can talk about that later. <laughs> um, yeah, so you, you got to be careful about how people are measuring data for you uh, and be willing to look a little bit deeper than, than just you know the headline or just uh, what is presented as uh, as fact? Uh, you got to be willing to to delve a little deeper, look at individual, and look at primary sources. That's a big one today. So many times we just get our information from secondary or tertiary sources uh, like social media, and mm. we don't bother to to look any deeper. Um, I think you have to look deeper, or else you're doing yourself a disservice. You're you're buying into all your mental biases. Um, and you're not really getting to, uh, to, to the essence, uh, of the game. Uh, so there. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting. Well, you mentioned the last two and a half years, but some people will 
quote data from a podium, but then you actually go and look up the data they're quoting and it says something different. Correct. I, I often think about, I was big into track when I was growing up, track and field. And, and uh, you know, you look at some records that are broken and, you know, some of them they put asterisks next to, you know, if it's at Mexico City at whatever, 9,000 feet, you know, if right. it was here at Sedona. Uh, and of course they, you know, they, they, they mark if it's wind dated or not. But there's some other things, right, that you probably can't pay attention to, the track. Uh, you look at marathon records. I don't know that they take into account wind, uh, cold, uh, hills, no. right? I mean, the, the, the Boston Marathon's got some major hills in it. From, from what I know, the Chicago Marathon, I talked to someone who ran it. He's like, oh, the hills were horrible. I'm like, come to Sedona, dude. Right. Like, you know, but they have a marathon out here. So, okay. so that data is, do you think the main danger is ignorance, uh, confirmation bias, um, willful misinterpretation of the data, or it just depends on the person? <laughs> uh, it reminds me of an old joke. Uh, for, from my military days, uh, what's the problem here? Is it ignorance or is it apathy? Mm. Well, I don't know and I don't care. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I think the problem is, um, number one, our brain. And, and I want to go back um, and talk a little bit about uh, one of your points there, talking about Mexico City and talking about how we, how we um, kind of handicap sports or don't in, in certain cases. The problem is there are an infinite, infinite number of variables out there, right? Be it sports, investing, whatever you want to talk about, uh, there are a lot of variables. And, you know, one of the things you and I have talked about previously, and, and I know we both share an interest in is Stoic philosophy, mm. um, where, you know, I believe the best investors are Stoics because they tend to tune out a lot of those variables and they concentrate on the things that they can affect and they don't worry about the stuff that they can't affect. Um, so I think that's important to, to bring forward because all that is is tuning out some of the noise, right? And I, I think that there's so much noise now. Um, I, I talk about I talk about in the book how you know television and then the internet and now social media have basically created an unholy trinity hmm. uh, of information that is basically bent on making people do stupid things, uh, investors included. Uh, so I think that amount of information, people are looking for shortcuts naturally. Uh, that's, mm. that's ingrained in our brains. We don't want to have to learn things multiple times. Uh, we would rather take other people's words for it if we can. Um, and uh, in a lot of scenarios now, that's, that's what we're doing. And your background in politics, I think, is, is interesting because they will use what is known as anchoring bias against you, Right. Because they'll say something, and as soon as they've said it, that data is in your brain, and you mm. can't ever go back and get rid of it. And now your uh, tolerance for the, the real information is anchored on whatever just came out of their mouth. And they know this, right? They know that if they say something that's incorrect, nine times out of ten, they don't have to walk it back because, because either we've forgotten and moved on, or, you know, you're now set with that anchor in mind and you're you're not going to look for solutions that are too far outside of of the data they just gave you so that's yeah. a that's a long-winded uh you know roundabout discussion of 
just mental bias. You know, we, we, we are more than ready to have people give us information, uh, but we need to be a little bit pickier about how we process that information, if we process it at all. And Yeah, and one of the things you've written about a lot, um, and it, we just had Jason Gregory on the show, who's an Eastern philosopher, and mm-hmm. he has a new book called Spiritual Freedom in the Digital Age, and, mm-hmm. and talks about how the constant attention and addiction to screens is just messing with our, our minds. Yeah. And I think it's important to realize there's always been, when you go 2,500 years ago, gosh, even if you, if you really look at what the gospel, even what Jesus was saying, or you look at what Lao Tzu was saying, right? Or, or certainly the Stoics, there's always been pleasures to distract. Mm-hmm. Um, and even back then, there's, there is uh, wonderful uh, pieces of wisdom in terms of turning it off. They didn't have a screen back then, but they had other things. They had wine. They had... Uh, you know, drink. They had uh, well, and the, you know the the Epicureans, right? Had food and and the others and and the and the orgies or whatever it is, yeah. right? Yeah. And now we have that, that would be distracting. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. There's one going on right here. I'm trying to figure <laughs> it out. Uh, the I won't turn around the camera, but yeah, it's 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 the um, now we have an orgy of information coming at us, and and one of the things that Jason writes about, and, and we talked about in our in- interview, and, and one of the things that you've written about is the fact that our mind is not evolved or equipped or built to deal with that constant mm-hmm. stream of information, which now I think there's more in a day or an hour than the average human ever had in a lifetime before. Mm-hmm. And so it, I'd love to get your take on this, that at the very beginning of the era that we're currently in, whatever we want to call it, the pandemic era, I had two economists on. Uh, well, one was an economist at, oh, at, at Duquesne. You're a Pittsburgh guy. Mm-hmm. He was at Duquesne mm-hmm. University, and the other guy is at here in Arizona. Uh, he's more of a political science guy. They come at it from a freedom point of view, and they were saying, oh, we, we talked about the danger with experts and trusting experts. Oh, yeah. So on the one hand, we have democratization of data and news and information coming at us. On the other hand, that requires us to have a brain that's equipped to parse it out and make sense of it on our own. So it's almost as if we have to increasing rely on experts to parse the data, which brings us back to the same problem we talked about with statistics at the beginning. Mm-hmm. So, so the average person, investor, and, and, and you've talked about, you know, the millionaire next door, the person, you know, people hire you not because they're experts, because they need someone to be the expert for them. Mm-hmm. What do you say to someone who's, who's like, I don't know who to trust anymore. I don't trust anyone, but I, I, I don't, I don't trust myself either. So how do you, how do you counsel someone like that? Uh, it's interesting because, um, I, I'm, I'm blanking on the name of the author, the first name anyway, his last name is Epstein, um, uh, but not. Not not, oh, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Uh, and the book is, the book is called range. Okay. Uh, and he talks exactly uh, about what you're talking about, how, uh, experts can very often have these types of cognitive biases that we're, that we're discussing, but they can be worse than the average person. I mean, think about somebody who's been in academia for 30 years, they have a specialty and then you come to them and say, well, we found this out their immediate reaction is going to be, no, 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 no. I'm the expert. You know, I, I've seen this for the last 30 years. In fact, they did a study uh, on uh, intelligence um, mm-hmm. estimates 
um, and this appears in his book. And basically, they had all these, you know, uh, I think it was pre-Soviet Union, uh, pre the fall of the Soviet Union. They had all these intelligence experts come in and give their predictions for what was going to be going on in five or 10 years. And then they had a group of kind of regular people come in, listen to all the experts, distill that information, and then say what they thought was going to happen. And every single time, the group of non-experts was closer to the mark than the experts. Why is that? Again, it's these mental biases that if you don't, if you're not aware of them, I don't care what you're an expert in. If you're not an expert in, you know, how your brain works, you're going to fall, fall into that trap and you're going to fall into it consistently. And you're going to pound the table and say, no, 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 no. I'm right. And you're wrong. And the more you say it, the more you're going to believe it. So it's, it's this insidious, you know, thing that we think of experts as experts and we should follow the experts. And yes, that is sometimes correct, but there should be a layer between that expertise and the decision-making. And that's honestly what I try to give my clients. You know, I, I'm uh, an expert in some things, but I'm really a jack of all trades, right? You see, I've got three different designations. Um, I work in taxation. I work in, and I, I know that's a, it's a tough place to be. You're, you're absolutely correct. I work in taxation. I work in investing. I work with gifting. Uh, you know, I work with, with financial planning and, and, and retirement. But I, I want to be the person who's listening to the experts, distilling what they're saying, and then bringing it you know, to, to my clients. And that's where I think I fit in. And that's where I think we should all strive to fit in uh, if we're, we're working with, with clientele. I was thinking about this yesterday, um, just because there's a number of people I know, uh, clients and, and family members who have literally almost been killed by MDs, by doctors over the last year mm -hmm. in terms of prescribing the wrong medications. And it was just yeah. a complete, it was, it was a mistake. It wasn't like, oh, it literally was a mistake. Um, and, and some other advice. And I was thinking about this yesterday that, uh, I don't know, things pop into my head every once in a while. And it was like, I want a creative doctor versus a smart doctor. Correct. And does that kind of go along the lines of what, you know, I, I was saying that in March, 2022, please give me someone with creativity versus someone who can just spew out data or memorize. Yeah. Um, is that, is that kind of what we're talking about here? I think so. I, I think you've got to have some latitude to make decisions. Uh, I think that uh, you're going to, you're going to, take me down a path here that'll be interesting but uh you know i think you're right i think medicine and i've heard i've heard doctors say this medicine has gone the route of checklists mm. right so you come in you have this we do this workup we go to this we send you to this specialist they do this workup they send you to the and you keep I, i'm going through this with you know with, with family uh, now as well where you just have this circular pattern of of a lot's being done, but not a whole lot's being accomplished. Um, so yeah, I would want somebody who's uh, got some latitude to make decisions. I would want somebody who takes inputs from a lot of different places. Somebody who reads the studies um, and incorporates that into their practice. Those are far and few between. I think anybody uh, who's seen a primary care physician in the last 20 years has seen the way it's changed um, unfortunately for them, they're, they're on a the clock, you know, they only have so much time to spend with, with individual patients. Um, and I know from, from my own experience, uh, that's not good. Uh, you know, you've got to be willing to spend the time with people in order to, to get, 
to the bottom of their finances, how are you going to get to the bottom of a human body in yeah, right. seven or eight minutes? It's just, it's not possible. So yeah, I, I think you're, you're spot on. I think that expertise is out there for a reason. Uh, but buyer beware. Yeah. And when you were talking about the experts versus the, uh, you know, people, uh, the non-experts perform better. Uh, mm-hmm. two things came to mind. One is, you know, Elon Musk and rocket ships, you know, mm-hmm. and he, the, this host of, I don't know if it was Buzz Aldrin, but this host of astronauts and rocket, you know, experts. And, and I think it was 60 minutes where Elon broke down crying saying, you know, yeah, it hurts me that they came out saying I'm a threat. Right. And yet, now he's the expert. Right. Does it, does it, does it, is it simply a matter of courage and then time? Courage on behalf of the non expert to just keep forging and proving his or herself. And then time, once everyone sees that, they shift from, oh, wait, forget the experts. Now Elon's the expert. Because it, it can be frustrating, right? When, when we talk about health, right? Medicine. If you're the person who's a little more aware, but the person with the health problem is getting the crappy advice mm-hmm. and you're standing there frustrated, but that person is so, you talk about anchoring and programming is so, no, no, I got to listen to the doctor. I got to listen to the doctor. I got to listen to the doctor. And you're like, but I can see it. You know, what is it? What does it take for that to break through? I mean, in, in the financial realm, you know, there's, I mean, right now we're dealing with it crypto, mm-hmm. you know, I, part of me is like, Hey, maybe with everything going on in the world, maybe, 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 but there's also a part of me like, that's new. I don't trust it. What the heck? You know, <laughs> there, there's also, uh, you know, I, what I think of when, when you're talking about those things is the pandemic that's been going on really since the 70s in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is uh, obesity and, and diabetes. Yeah. Um, what do the experts tell you? They tell you to eat a high co- carbohydrate diet uh, and a bunch of small meals during the day. What's that worked out for us? You know, how are we doing? You know, 40 years into that experiment. experiment, I can tell you from going to the beach uh, and from going through airports all over the country, it's not going well. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's bad advice, um, and you can break that down. There's a uh, great book by uh, Nina Teichels uh, called The Big Fat Surprise that breaks down why that all happened going back mm-hmm. to the 50s. And uh, I think that it was once again... It was an expert who got very attached to his ideas and rammed them through uh, to the point of, you know, now that is federal policy. That's how they feed our kids in school. It's how they feed our military. Um, and if that doesn't give you the heebie-jeebies, it, it really ought to. Yeah. It, uh, and yet, all the data in the world from people who say they trust the data, all the data in the world won't, I mean, there's people who will follow the experts off a cliff. Sure. Um, Health wise, which is obviously dangerous and we're seeing that, but financially wise as well. And, and, and I think that leads me to another question too, is, is in your book, you write about uh, Mount Vesuvius Mm -hmm. and, and I'm going to take it a little different direction, but maybe not. Then you take it in the book, which is kind of, Hey, times were good. We're going to get, we're going to get, Rest on our laurels, that type of thing. Yep. But when we were in Italy in 2019, so this was May or June of 2019, so I don't know what, six, seven months before everything, the craziness started. Yep. We were in uh, Piano di Sorrento, which is above Sorrento, so you can see Mount Vesuvius. I could sit on my porch 
and see Mount Vesuvius. And I sat there and I had a cigar. I was smoking cigars at the time. And I sat there and, and was really thinking, we had just gone through Pompeii that day. And I'm thinking like they were living the lap of luxury. This is great. They didn't have the weather channel. They didn't have, you know, now we know, oh my gosh, you know, and I have a client who's like addicted to the weather, right? And he rationalizes it and all this, but it's like every, every storm he knows about. I'm like, right. oh my God, why would you want to do that? But okay, so we have that. We have the predictions, blah, blah, blah. They didn't have that. And all of a sudden it's like, whoa, what the heck? Wiped out. Yep. And I sat there and I actually wrote a blog post back in, when we got back, so it was in June, that um, are we, if something like that happens, are we going to have the creativity to overcome it or are we going to be screwed? You know, and, 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 and I revisited it in April of 2020 and said, Nope, I guess we're not, you know, and, and this may piss people, some, some people off. I think I was correct on that. But, um, when you look at the, uh, the lulling to sleep that you kind of write about times are good but also collective consciousness, mm -hmm. which I think also happens with the anchoring. And, you know, uh, I was part of that. I was a PR flack on Capitol Hill, worked for Big Food, Big Pharma, and was part of mm -hmm. pushing the collective consciousness with quote-unquote data. I was in charge of going out and buying experts from, you know, to do studies. Literally, that's what I yep. did. And so you have this collective consciousness and Charles Fillmore and Eric Butterworth, who are two philosophers, kind of spiritual philosophers, and they write about every single, and he was writing about this in the early 1900s, most massive epidemics, most or all market drops, um, things of that nature, economic downturns have been the result not of facts, but of collective consciousness mm -hmm. and FDR, you may love him or hate him. I'm, I'm not a, a particularly huge fan, but he was absolutely correct when he said the only thing to fear is fear itself. He was talking about that collective consciousness mm -hmm. and it can work either way. You write about it in, in, in Vesuvius, long story to come back to this, mm -hmm. of the collective consciousness of, Oh, everything's cool. Everything's okay. It's like, it's like Noah's building the ark and the town's like, no, everything's cool. Yeah. There's some rain coming, but we're cool. We're fine. They get wiped yep. out. But it can also happen the other way too, right? Where it's panic. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. That's always happened, right? Is it more dangerous now with this orgy of screens and information that we have coming our way? I, I think it probably is because, you know, um, somebody wrote, uh, and it wasn't me, that, um, you know, this wasn't the first pandemic in history, but it was the first pandemic in history with social media, mm. right? Now we're seeing the first European war in history with social media. It's a game changer. You know, um, I, I, I wrote an article recently, um, kind of talking about my biggest, uh, wealth management, uh, tips for people in 2022. One of the big ones was be antisocial, meaning get off social media. Uh, yeah. if you can't get off social media, at least set some, some common sense limits, uh, because, you know, and I, I have this conversation with people, the more time you spend on there, the less information you're really getting, okay? The algorithm is not built to, to give you new information. The algorithm is built to take what you already like or already think you like and give you more of it, right? Uh, that's, that's confirmation bias. Uh, that's, that's how people get, get into trouble on their own. And then when you build a system uh, to allow them to do it in mass numbers, 
you, you get what we get now, right? So I'm not saying that the pandemic wasn't real. I'm not saying that, um, uh, that the health crisis in this country uh, isn't a huge problem. What I'm saying is all of this stuff is made worse and it's harder to combat because of social media. And I, and I really do believe that. I think that there's a, a large portion of people ready out there with the panic button um, be, just because they've been geared up with 24-hour news and social media. You know, why are you watching the Weather Channel 18 hours? Like, who cares? I mean, right. you're the reason they're they're naming winter storms now. Yeah. So a bomb yeah, bomb cyclone. Before. 46 years on this earth, I've never heard of a bomb yeah. cyclone before. And, and again, what are you going to do about the weather? Right. Yeah. Right. Get an umbrella. But yeah, it's like. Be prepared. But, you know, it's not like you can change it. Well, there's some people who also watch it and they're like, well, I need to know what's happening to the markets by minute by minute. I was always taught growing up, and, and this maybe goes back to experts and, and, but it, and raises another issue about the markets. You know, I was always taught growing up, hey, don't watch it day to day because it's time. It's over time. And one of the things we always preached, and I remember I was on Capitol Hill and there were downturns, which was, hey, during the Great Depression, you look at the market, the beginning of the Great Depression, at the end of the Great Depression, if you had just not panicked, you would have made money. You wouldn't have lost money. Now you look at the, the numbers. But also, by the same token, then you look over. Mark Cuban looks at it and says, if you put money in 1970 in the market, you'd have no money today. Put it all in cash. So I think it goes. It probably goes back to philosophy and who, who you want to pay attention to. Right? <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, I'll do respect to Mark Cuban as a, as a fellow Pittsburgher, but um, that's not the kind of advice that I, I think people need, need to be following out there. He's uh, an interesting guy. Uh, let's keep in mind he made one trade in his life that worked out really, really, really well, uh, and more power to him. Uh, but uh, I, I don't think the millionaire next door or even the hundred thousand hundred thousandaire next door should be trying to replicate Mark Cuban. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, There's a direct quote from the book that I have to go back to since since Mark Cuban randomly came up. Yeah, he does appear in the book. Uh, and my, my advice for investors is that buffets are for eating, Buffett's, and Cubans are for smoking. That's nice, nice. Very good, very good. Well, Buffett, since you brought him up, is, is now usually, uh, there's some crypto people I follow, yeah. not because I have anything to do with crypto, because I haven't jumped into it. And it's kind of that daily, every, every day I'm like, I should really get into it. I should learn more about it. And then it's like, what if it's China or the government and, you know, that have created this or something, you know, I go back and forth, but one of the, one of their famous, uh, you know, uh, people to, uh, to, to, wit, you know, rip on is Warren Buffett. Yeah. Who, who said some not nice things about crypto probably a few years ago. Is there anything in history, uh, what we're seeing with crypto? Uh, and some of you are going to be like, that's a dumb question. Yeah. We, we used to, have trading posts and then we had money and then we yeah. did that. But in terms of what we're seeing in this new kind of outside the governmental realm, um, what lessons can we learn? Let me put it that way before the, the crypto nerds jump all over me. Can we learn from history? Yeah. They, going out with crypto be now? careful. The, uh, the crypto Twitter mob is, uh, they're, they're legit. Um, so with that said, I'll, I'll wait directly into this. Um, you know, I talk a little bit, a little bit in the book about um, currencies and, and how 
specifically the, the U.S. Green, greenback uh, came into being. And it wasn't that long ago. I mean, you know, people think we had, you know, greenbacks going all the way back to the revolution. We didn't. It wasn't until the Civil War that we actually codified uh, a, a national currency and, and made it uh, you know, the, the standing currency that, that we all know today. Um, so the, the history of that really is not that expansive, right? Um, and I think it's, I think it's interesting crypto as a, as an idea. I mean, I, I trend libertarian. Um, so I, I love the idea of the people's currency, right? Something mm -hmm. that, um, you know, trades and is a medium for trade outside of, of the government's purveyance. I'm also a realist, um, and uh, the federal government has already moved uh, to tax crypto as, a, as a, a thing and not a currency. So when you buy and sell it, you're, you're taxed on capital gains. Um, they're already talking about replacing it with their own crypto, which then that becomes somewhat terrifying to me as a, as a libertarian, because now the government's tracking uh, all of your purchases uh, on this uh, digital currency. And I'm not the only I'm not the only tinfoil hat wearer who's saying that. Um, there are some oh, respected minds out there who are, are, are very uh, worried about that. So crypto in general, yeah, it sounds like a great idea. Crypto as an investment, I'm hesitant to invest in anything that is not being used the way it was designed, mm -hmm. right? It wasn't designed as a store of value for people to speculate on. It was designed, designed as a monetary instrument. And that's not the way it's being used now. So that, I, I have some caution from that. Um, I also don't bet on regular currencies, right? It's way too speculative for most investors uh, to, to jump into that game. So, I'm, again, I'm sure the Twitter mob will be, uh, you know, lighting up about those comments, but I don't care. Um, I, I, won't, I won't see those comments. So it's perfect. Well, and, you know, we talked about collective consciousness and we've seen the collective consciousness I mean, you know, Elon tweets something, makes up a currency out of whole cloth as a joke, yeah. and it becomes somehow a value. Yeah. Um, and I know people would say, well, the way it was set up, this guy who set up Bitcoin, the way it's set up is there's a limited and it's a true, it's like the gold standard and it's true this, it's not a fiat currency. But the way you see these things rise and fall is, is, is very uh, conscious yeah. dependent. I Again, I, I love the idea. Um, and that's all money is, you know, be it fiat currency or, or crypto, it's an idea. Uh, it has no real value unless we say it does. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, it, it's, uh, it's kind of like, a uh, a mass Ponzi scheme, right? Where mm -hmm. as long as nobody looks too hard or starts raising the questions, that we could all go on about our business and, and, and exchange things uh, for dollars. But what is a dollar? I, I don't know. Yeah, you know, right. I, I, I know what they say it is, um, and I know that it's uh, worth less than it was a year ago. Uh, but other than that, it's just an idea. Um, I think it's a good idea. I think it's gotten us you know, where, where we are in the world. Um, but uh, fiat currency is just that. It's a fiat, and, and that's not... We're not talking about the car. We're right, right. 
Yeah, and with gold, we used to have gold. I mean, it was something you could hold in your hand. And people may say, no, but there's coins out there and they're mining for them. Yeah. But you even know, gold, why is I gold valuable? Like Tron. Because, we, because we say it is. <laughs> right, yeah. Right? Right. I mean, there are, there, are, there are metals out there that are less uh, available than gold that don't carry gold's price tag. Why? Because we say it's valuable. Mm, yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And, it, and it's, it's, do you counsel your clients? And I don't know what you can get into or not here, but uh, do you just say, stay away from it at all? Or you're like, Hey, play around with it if you want, but I'm, I'm out. <laughs> Crypto. Yeah. Um, I would consider it a very speculative investment. Like I said, um, it could be appropriate for some folks in small quantities. Um, but you know, if that quantity is more than say five or 10% of a portfolio, there better be a damn good reason. Uh, because, um, and by the way, I wouldn't just say that about crypto. I would say that about, uh, precious metals. I would say that about any other currencies that, mm. that people want to, uh, try to, invest in I, I investing in currencies you're, you're trading you're not investing um yeah. you're 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 trying to make money uh typically not over a long period of time although crypto folks will argue that and say it's a long-term investment we're just waiting for the the regulatory environment to be right uh to, to where we can you know suddenly make make crypto the thing good luck with that yeah yeah the uh well, let's get into NFTs. That no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It's uh, my my nephew was trying to explain NFTs to my mom. Uh, I back in kid, December. <laughs> kids these days, right? I just you know. <laughs> well, she lost him at like gorillas. Uh, there's some NFT with these gorillas that are worth like a ton of money, and yeah. you can go on a yacht. And I said, listen, you have fun in the metaverse. I'm going to be outside the metaverse with my real life gun. You know, at, at, at such time in which, you know, uh, we figured out Tron, uh, mm -hmm. you know, then, then I'll jump in. But, um, and I know, I know there's some kids out there right now who are like, that old man, he doesn't yeah, know course. what he's talking about. Yeah. It's like, okay, when you have the context of the world, I'm not anti anything, yeah. but I'm also, um, uh, you know, the older you get, and this is maybe leads to another question. I want to, if you have, if you want to go back, please do, but with risk and risk tolerance and you know there's benefits i was telling someone the other day that the real lesson uh, of top gun and you know now that i'm 46 and watching it it's not just about chicks and your friend dying and fast planes to me it was really about and and when you look at stoicism or you look at uh, for instance the Tao Te Ching which i'm really getting into the real lesson is the more you overthink shit, the more problems you have. And mm -hmm. Iceman, for all his skill, when it came down to it, I'm out, I'm out. He was overthinking the shot. And as soon as Maverick started overthinking stuff, he was kind of useless, right? And, and maybe finding that balance of overthinking versus, you know, taking too many risks. Am I off my rocker with that? Yeah. Um, what's the quote? Oh, okay. Let me, let me see if I can get it right. You don't have time to think up there. If you think, you're dead. Right, right. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. All right. I, I get that right? 
Uh, pretty much. Yeah, right. pretty much. Uh, and and I, then her I, reply I, was, that's an awfully big gamble with a $30 million airplane. And she's a thousand percent correct. Uh, <laughs> and by the way, if anybody ever sees that little clip, uh, I won't be welcome back at the reunions. Um, no, you know, I think that, um, God, the movie's bullshit, first of all. <laughs> uh, it, it's a fantastic film. Uh, it got me to join the Navy. It got me to want to fly airplanes, and it got me to want to fly the F-14. Um, all of those all of those happened. Um, but as far as, uh, as far as being, you know, anywhere true to, true to life or true to form, it's very much a, a Hollywood concoction. Um, however, I, I like what you're saying there. I like where you, this is like the Tau of Top Gun, right? Right. Yeah, right. Uh, it wasn't applying to, to, to planes, but more of finding a balance between, because my problem right now is I have deep-seated anxiety that I didn't even know I had, and I overthink shit. By the way, I'm trademarking Tau of Top Gun, so nobody out there steal that shit. There you go. Yeah, I'm doing that. Um, no, uh, yeah, I, I think that uh, you're spot on with that, that... Um, it's a fine line as a human being to not think too much and not overthink, right? And that's the line we have to walk, um, not only as you and I, but I think humanity as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you can overthink yourself into... But we always said back in, back in 07, 08, that we were talking ourselves into a recession. You know, it, uh, you mentioned uh, FDR. I think of Jimmy Carter. He talked about, uh, I can't remember the exact term, but it was something about malaise, a general malaise mm-hmm. uh, in, the late, in the late 70s. Um, and just looking at the fashion from that era, you can, you can understand why. <laughs> uh, but uh, I, I think it is possible to talk ourselves into a collective uh, be it economic or be it social or, or be it uh, healthcare, you could talk yourself into a crisis. Um, and guess what? Social media, right there to say, oh, that's what you're scared of? Here's more of it. Uh, and by the way, here's some ads to, 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 mm. to pad the, the pockets. But um, yeah, it, it, for me, a lot of what concerns me is you know obviously war in ukraine is a tremendous humans human tragedy um but this is going to sound glib but it's also human nature uh for us to think that war was gone you know magically when the soviet union uh disappeared well you know there's 20 years in afghanistan uh and another 20 in iraq uh, that would, uh, well, maybe 15 in Iraq, uh, that would, uh, that would dissuade you from, from that argument. But, you know, we tend to, we tend to forget those things. I just think that human nature is human nature. Um, and, uh, we got to be very careful about how, how, how far we think we've gotten, uh, with, with our own, uh, evolution. And it, it, you know, nuance more than ever. And, and, you know, human nature, I think, takes nuance and throws it out the window for uh, like 10 different reasons we've already discussed (laughs) today. But now it's coming at you so quickly and you look at, you know, you, you can at one hand, on the one hand say, well, on the one hand say all wars are tragedies. You can also say Putin's not a great guy. 
You can also say, uh, I feel bad for the Russian people as mm -hmm. well as the Ukrainian people. And that's mm -hmm. a human rights uh, tragedy. And in the same breath, not take away from anything you just said and say, yeah, and there's a lot of other bad stuff going on in the world. And look at, you know, it's interesting. And since we're talking about money, Russia doesn't buy a whole lot of our stuff yeah. in relation to China. Why is it that it's political to talk about Hong Kong? Or why is it that no one puts flags about the Uyghurs who are right. being used for human organ harvesting, you know? And, and I bring this up not as a political point, but, or maybe it is, but this information that we have coming at us. And it's like, Jason Gregory said, he, he once had a teacher who said, uh, don't be like a windshield wiper. Where you just go back and forth depending on what they say to, to pay attention to. Focus on the road. Right. And that's not to say get mad about everything that goes on in the world, because like you said, there's basic human nature. But it's interesting now, the first European war in, uh, in, in the, the, the social media era. And if you can unplug a bit and stand back, and have a little bit of detachment, you can look and say, and maybe that's, maybe that, you know, the Dow of, of Top Gun is have a little bit of detachment, but not too much. And I, that's the yin yang, right? That they say Absolutely. is it that chill out, but move forward. And this, I guess this is a question. I, I there's a lot of, I guesses here. A uh, question that goes back to what we talked about at the front with the amount of information coming at us in 2019, you know, there's, when you talk about uh, markets and and when you talk about the 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 amateurs outperforming the experts, yeah, uh, you know, there's a lot of believers in like the Iowa electronic markets when they predict certain things, right? And it's not always right. But apparently, some of these markets, when you look at them, they're pretty they're better than the experts or they're pretty right on, depending on where you're on, certainly with elections. Um, and it's all based on, overt information, mm -hmm. but also subconscious information. I, I would assume that's out there, right? Like in, in 2019, I felt 2020 was going to be a shit show. I don't know why. I was unplugged from media and my financial guy, I said, listen, I want out. I don't know what's going to happen in 2020. I feel it. I look back and there was information out there. Sure. And this goes back to what you said about talking ourselves into things. There was like Bill Maher almost wish. I mean, he, he basically said he wishes there was a recession to end the Trump presidency. And I'm, I'm not, this isn't a pro-Trump, anti-Trump, but that stuff was out there. Probably now that I look back, that was, and I don't watch Bill Maher, but you hear stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And those subconscious bits of information. Does the, I recently had Sunil Godse who talks about intuition and listening to it. When you're up in a plane or down and dealing with the financial markets, how do you allow your intuition to come forward without clouding it with the need to push, 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 right? Because it's in that quiet that the intuition comes up, but you said you have time to think. Where's that balance? And I guess apply that to, if you can... <laughs> you know, financial. Yeah. I, I think that's where it comes into being the synthesis point of a variety of experts and a variety of viewpoints, right? Uh, because I can't tell you how many times I've heard people with gut feelings that didn't work out. 
Yeah. Right. I mean, it's going on 99%. Um, <laughs> and the reason is because they, what they thought was intuition in my mind is really anchoring bias, right? They jumped mm -hmm. on something and then just kind of collected a bunch of information to go with that. And that's their gut feeling, right? It's anchoring bias and then it's confirmation bias, uh, where you're just ignoring anything that would, would, um, would take away from, from your argument. So I think you have to be very careful with trying to be a soothsayer. It's, it's, it's extremely difficult. Um, you know, you got to get a number of decisions, right? It's not just the decision to, I'm not cr criticizing anything that you did back in 2020. Oh yeah, sure. But, uh, if you're going to make a decision like that, you got to make a decision to get out and usually you have to make a decision to, to get back in. Yeah. And that type of timing is, uh, notoriously difficult. So what I would say is just going back to, by the way, it's David Epstein, uh, who wrote the book. I did look that up. Uh, I would go back to that book and say, okay, how did, how did those guys do it? How did they make better decisions than the experts? Well, they took a lot of different viewpoints and synthesized it into one. Um, that's what the media used to do, right? Mm. Before, before clickbait. Uh, the media does not do that anymore because the media does not get paid the way the media used to get paid, right? The media gets paid on, on clicks. Um, and if a story is, is going to go viral, um, it can't pull in a number of different experts. It's got to follow one and then find information that backs him up and then make somebody else look like an idiot. That's the only way you get clicks, right? Uh, in America or worldwide. So the formula has changed. The media has changed. Um, and you know, I think that it, it really now is on the individual investor and the individual consumer of information to be that person for themselves. You have to synthesize it for yourself. Uh, talking about some old school media, and, and this is my final question. Uh, your book, which is, you can actually get in old fashioned paper. <laughs> right? it's, the way I, it's the way I prefer it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've started really doing that. I, as we were traveling around the country, I had my iPad just because I didn't want to carry books. Sure. Uh, and now it's like, I'm going back to it. Cause I just, I'm so sick of staring at screens. Yeah. Um, and I, first thing in the morning, I don't want to do it. Certainly last thing at night. And so now if you look down, I have, I have way too many uh, books cause I'm like five behind, you know, but, um, but your book, you wrote it prior to the last two years. Yeah. Um, and for those of us watching this in a time capsule 50 years from now, I'm referring to the COVID era. Uh, what would you change if you rewrote your book today from what you put in your book when you originally wrote it? Uh, there's a chapter in there about the Great Plague where I might word some things differently. That's one. That's one. <laughs> Um, but there's also, uh, I think, you know, what did I learn from, from 2020? Um, I, I learned that it's great to make money, but it's even better when you don't lose a lot, right? Which is hmm. kind of counterintuitive until you're on the losing end. Right. Uh, people hate losses two and a half times more than they like gains. 
that's a that's a, uh, a statistic from a uh, a number of studies uh, in behavioral psychology. Um, and it's not just what they hate, but it's 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 what matters to them, right? So you can talk about risk, and and obviously we talk to our blue in the face about risk, and then a client looks back at you and says, "Yeah, but how much how much money are we making?" It's like, well, you know, obviously that's important, um, but are you going to do dumb things when you're under pressure because? The market's going down 33% in five weeks like it did in 2020. That, that's really what I, what I learned is uh, you have to stress test investments. You have to stress test people, right? Because if, if ask you what your risk tolerance is today, it's going to be different than it was six months ago. Hmm. And it's going to be different than what it will be in, in six months from now, right? I talk about this. This is the Mount Vesuvius example, right? You know, obviously in 80 AD, a year after the volcano blew up, uh, people's risk tolerance was pretty freaking low. Uh, you know, they, they were scared shitless. Uh, can I say that on your podcast? Oh, yeah. yeah. I guess. Okay. I guess I guess it's too late. I already did. That's like the least you could say. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, yeah. So, you know, a year after that, they're, they're terrified. But then five years after that, they're less terrified. And 20 years after that, they've basically forgotten it. And, you know, 2,000 years later... Uh, some of the most expensive homes in the world are in the death zone from, from Mount Vesuvius. Hmm. So that is just kind of how we see risk. If it's right in front of us, uh, you know, I mean, think about it. How many, how many people do you see wash their hands in 2019 versus 2020? It was right in front of them. So they felt the risk and they, they took the mitigation measures for whatever they were worth. Um, and over time, that fades out, right? Um, you know, so my, my goal really is to keep 2020 close, close at heart, close at, close to my mind, uh, because I learned some things there about the way people react um, mm-hmm. and the way panic sets in, because 2020 in the markets was a panic. Um, and uh, being ready for that uh, the, the next time it comes around, because it will come around. Um, not just because I say it will, but because we've set up a mechanism to do it over and over and over again with the internet and social media. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. The, the, what's the old line that everyone always used, but no one paid attention to, which is, 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 is the line, which is, uh, those are not aware of the past or condemned to repeat it. Yeah. I can't remember exactly who said that, but everyone always used Hitler as the example, right. And, and going into Russia and everyone uses those cliches. It's funny how the cliches are actually true, but no one listens to them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, the other cliche is that history doesn't repeat itself, but it rhymes. Yeah. Uh, or it echoes. Um, and, and yeah, there, there is some of that. Uh, every situation's unique. Um, but I think the way we process information and the way we, um, the way we think through problems has not changed really in 20,000 years, 10,000 years. Um, because our brains, all of this is so new. I mean, you know, this stupid thing didn't exist. I'm trying to get it in frame. It didn't exist, you know, to me 12 years ago. And now it's part of my everyday life. How is my brain accounting for that? It's not like it can't. 
Um, so you really have to, to take these, these tools and use them in smart ways and understand the way your brain sees them. I mean, you know, you can't have this thing on at night and sleep well. Yeah. Yeah. Not just because of the dings and dongs, but because, you know, you've got, uh, energy and all that stuff floating through the air. Again, our brains are not built for, for the time we find ourselves in. It's not our fault. Uh, but I do think there are things we can do to mitigate uh, our, our bad decisions. When, uh, when uh, the official uh, invasion of Ukraine began, mm-hmm. my wife got texts from people uh, saying, are you going to take your, all your money out of the bank? And then I talked to my mentor who said his wife was getting texts. Should we take all our money out of the bank? And he's like, well, if there's a cyber attack and everyone's screwed, we're all screwed and you can't use your money anyway. So yeah. no, leave it in. <laughs> He like yeah, didn't care, I, yeah. I mean, there there are certain scenarios that only end in us, you know, throwing rocks and sticks at each other, right? And, right. Yeah. The complete dissolution of society. Uh, there's nothing I can do to plan for that. Right. Right. Learn to hunt. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Patrick, I want to thank you so much for joining us. By the way, everyone, we're gonna we're gonna link to the book. It's a, it's a, it's not only an interesting book; it's a fun book. I mean, we talked about some of the examples from baseball to Mount Vesuvius to Nero to Ben Franklin, everything in between. Constantine, uh, you yeah. There's a like, there's yeah. a lot of stuff going on up here. You know, yeah, it, yeah. It all, it all kind of got uh, uh, put down on paper in that book. Well, history buffs will love it. People who like to be entertained will love it. Uh, Patrick, you have to update the book. We'll link to it in the show notes. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us on the Freedom Media Network. Always my pleasure.